What's up? And welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Get you some merchandise from Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Go to Twitter, GKW underscore wrestling, or on Instagram, Good Karma Wrestling. That's where you can find some merchandise. You need some t-shirts, you need some tumblers, you need some mugs, some socks, some t-shirts, some hoodies. You know, it's cold in some places around this country, so you might want to get yourself a Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday hoodie or sweatshirt or something to keep you warm. I want you to represent the podcast that's always been there for you, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, available in the bio on Twitter and, of course, on Instagram as well, Good Karma Wrestling. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm in Springfield, Missouri with the UIC Flames basketball team. So I watch Monday Night Raw from my hotel room, so I want to share with uh, with you what I saw. So let's talk about this because I've seen so much conjecture online about, oh, Monday Night Raw sucked. It sucked. Yeah, Monday Night Raw sometimes is bad. And water is wet. What a surprise. Because here's the thing about Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw is not going to give you the McMahon family drama once upon a time. It's not going to give you Mike Tyson against Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's not going to give you the one 2 three kid defeating Razor Ramon. It's not going to give you uh, Mick Foley winning the WWF Championship or Austin versus McMahon or The Undertaker being the devil or DX or John Cena. The Rock at his all-time best. It, it, Raw doesn't have those moments anymore. And we'll go into why in just a moment. But first, let me just tell you my thoughts about Raw. So, here's the thing. The way it started, it with a commercial-free hour. I didn't realize it was a commercial-free hour until I looked it up online. and said, oh, no wonder these segments are going along because it's commercial-free. Now, in radio... There are sometimes a music station, sometimes a talk station, even at ESPN 1000 where I worked. There are sometimes we will do a, a commercial-free hour, very, very rarely. And music stations do it all the time during a ratings period. Boy, we got to get the ratings up. Let's do a commercial-free hour. Just keep the music rolling. And, of course, sometimes when you do that, all of your commercial load goes to the back end of the show. And this is why Raw was a little bit uh, a little tight with a lot of commercials toward the end of the show in hour number three. We'll get into that in just a second. I just want to point out, though, with this commercial-free hour, we were able to see Sami Zayn earned his redemption with the bloodline. And I thought this was completely fantastic. So this was not supposed to happen. What was supposed to happen is what Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman were talking about, I believe a week or two ago, about some kind of ceremony or coronation through the Samoan bloodline where maybe we're going to see The Rock, and maybe we're going to see Afa, maybe we're going to see Rikishi. But come to find out, Rikishi wasn't well. He was ill. Afa couldn't fly into Philadelphia for, for some reason. He's up in age. He's one of the uh, wild Samoans, of course. Afa and Sika were a dangerous team wherever they went. So they, so WWE on Saturday, and I saw this on their social media, and I retweeted it at GKW underscore wrestling, that there was going to be this whole thing where Sami Zayn is going to be up for quote-unquote trial to find out if he's guilty or not guilty of being against the bloodline. I thought this was fascinating. Now, if you didn't see this over the weekend on social, when this popped up on your TV on Monday, you got to say, what the hell? What's going on here? But this is something on the fly that the WWE decided to do. And hats off to them because... You know, some companies would have known what to do, but they were able to do this whole thing where Paul Heyman is a defense attorney and he's saying that Sami Zayn is guilty and Sami just sitting there just taking it. 
And then, of course, one of the Usos comes in and says, no, Sammy's our guy. We're good. And then Sammy is not guilty. And Roman Reigns is good with it for now, as he said. And this culminates into a tag team match with the Usos against the Judgment Day. One of the Usos is not available uh, in the middle of the match because of the injury. And Sami Zayn says, I'll take his place. And so you get Jay and Sami Zayn uh, being able to hold on to the tag team championships as Sami Zayn comes in and is one of the tag team partners and helps beat the Judgment Day. Even though Roman and Paul Heyman don't like it very much, Sami Zayn is still part of the bloodline. But this whole thing was interesting because this is the most interesting storyline in professional wrestling. We all know what's going to happen, but it's about the anticipation of when. Does this happen at the Royal Rumble when Roman says, I want to see you until Saturday, which means Sami Zayn's going to pop up Friday on SmackDown (laughs) in Laredo, Texas. I think that's what's going to happen, right? I don't want to see you until Saturday. He'll show up Friday. I, I can almost guarantee it. Um, so does this all end at the Royal Rumble? Because the last test is supposed to be Saturday, according to Roman Reigns, the tribal chief. Or does this end in the Elimination Chamber? Is Sami Zayn one of the contestants for the WWE Championships, one of the contenders for the championship? Is he in one of the chambers? Or does this end at WrestleMania? I have no idea. But I think it's compelling television. So all of this is happening. And along with this, we are watching Raw just kind of meander after that to the point where you're supposed to get a Becky Lynch uh, matchup here. I believe it was for the the Women's Championship. And Damage Control comes in and just beats the hell out of her, all three of them. They had to rush through with the beatdown because this is supposed to be a match. But because that first segment with Sami Zayn and the bloodline and everything else, it ran so long that some of the matches were cut short. And there's some things that were a little bit long that probably should have been cut shorter. I don't like the video packages, some of the vignettes that could have been cut shorter. But what happens is is that we're supposed to get a good Bailey-Becky match, and they rushed right through to the uh, the beatdown because there was no time for the match. I wasn't ready for Bailey or Becky to lose anyway, so... That'll move forward, and that's going to be a good match when it happens. But I just want to point out that we still had to get a match, but everything ran long. Like the introduction for Ric Flair, introducing Charlotte Flair. The long introduction by Rick. Rick, just bring out Charlotte. It's not about your terrible suit. I mean, I know he's the man. People like Ric Flair. But it's about Charlotte. And this whole thing with Charlotte and Bianca to set up that whole thing with Sonya Deville. Like, was it two segments? With I mean, that's too long. So it, it, a lot of that stuff was a head-scratcher. Um, of course, you got to have the poker game, too. you got to have the poker game with all the uh, legends and the, and the wrestlers that are not utilized. I'll put them in the back for this poker segment with Baron Corbin and Ted DiBiase and IRS. Mike Rotunda comes out there. Just crazy. So what I'm saying is, is that the first segment, along with the DX segment, as they come out there, and I guess somehow they did not realize that Kurt Angle was right behind him, which I thought was funny. There's a lot of funny moments in that whole thing where I, I thought it was weird that Kurt Angle was out there because he was not introduced by the ring announcer. And Kurt's out there. And then, you know, there's Road Dog Jesse James is out there. He's going to do his introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, blah, blah, blah. And he introduced, he says, the Road Dog Jesse James, the badass Billy Gunn. Wait a minute, Kurt? 
and Kurt's out there. That was funny. And also just the idea that Triple H is going to go face-to-face with Gunther. And he's like, yeah, I'm retired. I laughed out loud when I saw that because I didn't expect for Triple H to be so deadpan. He's going face up against Gunther. And he's like, yeah, I'm retired. And everybody else starts to bow out. Even Butterbean, Road Dog, Jesse James, and Shawn Michaels is too old. And X-Pac has got uh, shin splints. And then it ends up being a decent tag team match, six-man tag team match, because it's introduced by Teddy Long. So I thought that this the longer segments, a couple of those long, longer segments were good. But I, I just want to point out that here's what I'm looking at with this company. So what did we see on Monday Night Raw, the 30th anniversary? We saw Hogan come out with a bad microphone. We saw DX. We saw Brock Lesnar at the end against Bobby Lashley. We saw Teddy Long. We saw Ric Flair. We saw The Undertaker. I thought the Undertaker's, you know, little segment there um, with L.A. Knight and uh, and uh, and Bray Wyatt I thought was interesting, but I just want to just point out these are the legends. It's D.X. Lesnar, Teddy Long, Ric Flair, Taker. Again, we saw some legends in the back like Mike Rotunda and Ted DiBiase. You know, we saw Hogan, but look on the other side of the tracks. A lot of those wrestlers I just mentioned really helped build WWE or built Monday Night Raw. But look at what the WWE has now. So Kevin Owens and Bray Wyatt and Bianca Belair uh, and the Bloodline and Seth Rollins. Who gets the biggest pop out of all of them? Okay, so it starts with the Bloodline because people put their ones up. We the ones, you know, that whole thing. It's a pretty cool spectacle. Seth Rollins, because of the whole sing-along, he gets uh, a big response now. He went from a crazy heel to a baby face, and people are just behind Seth Rollins. But did you notice, Kevin Owens comes out. He stuns The Miz a couple times. He promises he's going to you know, win or die trying against uh, Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. And it's a, it's a good response, but it's not a red-hot response. Because the people in Philadelphia, the people in all the cities they go to, they like Kevin Owens, but they don't love Kevin Owens. People love to see Brock Lesnar out there. People love to see Ric Flair. People love to see The Undertaker. People love to see, there's some people that really love to see Hogan. Those are the stars. But those are stars from 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Where's the response for Bianca Belair? Now, she's in there with Sonya Deville. It's fine. The match is not horrible, but it's fine. But Bianca Belair gets a pretty good response when she comes out there. And then the bell rings. And I think that she's becoming a better worker every time I see her. She's not a... I don't think that she's like this five-star worker, ten-star worker. I mean, she's had some really good matches, especially against Becky. But when she comes out there, she twirls the, the hair braid. And she goes skipping all the way to the ring. And she looks good. But then the bell rings and then you don't feel like the people are behind her. Would it have been different if the, um, you know, the Brie Bella and Nikki Bella came out there? Would there be more of a pop? Probably. This company is so wrapped up into nostalgia from the Vince era. And Vince is still back. But ultimately, Vince has rolled out so many of these old timers like Jerry Lawler you know, and DX and Hogan and The Undertaker. This has happened so much that the audience is conditioned to root for the legends. 
And that proves it in the ratings, too. When people see wrestlers from 20 and 30 years ago, it's cool. But I think that there's one thing to be that needs to be pointed out. It's cool when they come out, as long as they give the current crop a rub. And I think that we saw that somewhat on Monday Night Raw. Here's what I mean. If you see someone of a passing the torch from The Undertaker talking to Bray Wyatt, it's kind of like Taker's had his time, but just a little whisper in Wyatt's ear about what he's going to do to LA Knight, I think was good. It's kind of a rub to Bray Wyatt. When I see what happens with DX, where DX completely humiliated um, FTR, which, who's now known as FTR. You remember this, right? From the last anniversary? Guess, I guess that was the 25th anniversary, I believe. How they completely ruined FTR, who was the revival at the time, uh, at the Manhattan Center. Beat them down. Old-timers beating them down. Kevin Nash and oh, Scott Hall. All these people, right? This happened. And what did that do for FTR? Nothing. In this situation, you had DX backing down. Could you imagine Triple H hooking up Gunter, hooking up uh, Eichner, uh, and and those guys, just hooking them up, and just like yeah, here's a pedigree here, here's a super kick there, and uh, here's Road Dog doing his nonsense to those three guys. No, they back down. A little bit of a rub there, I thought, from the for those guys from DX. Imperium got a little bit of a rub, and I thought that was pretty cool. So hopefully that can resonate with the audience that the old regime is kind of pumping up the new regime. Because if you go back and watch, who got the biggest pops? Uh, the nostalgia wrestlers. The nostalgia wrestlers. How can you do a 30th year anniversary for Raw and don't have Stone Cold Steve Austin doing a video? Or The Rock doing a video? Or Cena doing a video? I mean, I mean ultimately a lot of this was about the current wrestlers. I know there's a several friends of mine that don't watch wrestling a lot, know of wrestling, but don't watch wrestling a lot. And they expected to see more nostalgia. Not necessarily Vince coming out there, but to see more of the wrestlers they watched in the 90s or early 2000s. And they were disappointed. Some of their favorites were not there, including those that built Monday Night Raw and The Rock and Cena. They couldn't find a time to, you know, get to get to Philadelphia. No Austin, no Cena, no Rock, no Bellas. And I saw the Bellas bitching about it on social media. Uh, they had something to say. Another good memory on Raw. How didn't they showcase anything from the women's evolution? But also the way we did our matches on Sasha there. Banks did it, and they're like, we can't. And the Bellas, there's a bunch of us. And Mercedes is too over. And we and can't say her name. There's a couple other girls and Rhea. There's a bunch of us they don't yeah. want to show. That's fine. That's fine. When you do what they don't want to do, they don't show you. You You know. Oh, boy. So the Bellas get on social media and start talking about the women's revolution. It is true. Uh, There were not enough women uh, on Monday Night Raw. That was also part of this last 30 years, that there was a push from us as fans to give the women a chance. And we did not see a lot of that. We saw back and forth a little bit with Bianca Belair and her matchup with Sonya Deville. And, you know, but ultimately we didn't see enough of the women. And maybe we'll see that more on the, at the Rumble. I don't know. But I think the Bells make a good point. Apparently they were in the area, but they were not invited or they did not come. I'm not sure. But either way, they were not at the Monday Night Raw 30th anniversary. 
Uh, I have got some big news for you, and I will place it right here. Uh, I have not put it on social media yet, but I will tell you that coming up on uh, Thursday, January 27th, for our great show, Good Karma Wrestling, we always have fun with that, Brian, Gabe, and I, will give you this show, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Our special guest will be Matt Cardona. Mm-hmm. Matt Cardona with the National Wrestling Alliance. He'll be taking on Tyrus to try to win the NWA championship, a championship that he's never lost. Uh, but he is going to uh, be in an NWA pay-per-view that we'll talk to Matt about. We'll talk about his pending free agency. It's a possibility that after this match or maybe somewhere down the line, he can go someplace else. I wonder, will Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green be showing up in San Antonio for the Rumble? Could that happen? Could it? Could it? Uh, we will find out. I look forward to hearing from Matt Cardona. Again, we'll have the interview uh, on Thursday. Hope that you get a chance to check it out on the podcast or live as you'll be able to see the four of us, Brian, Gabe, me, and uh, Cardona, have our conversation. All right. Uh, lastly, my picks for the Rumble. I'm going to go chalk with Cody Rhodes and Rhea Ripley. Um, here's Cody Rhodes. They have all these vignettes, and it just reminds me of Triple H. When he had his injury in the ring, I'll never forget in that tag team match where he tore his quad and he made his triumphant return to the Rumble. Man, that was just a great moment because people were supporting him. Those That video was playing and they saw the workout and the surgery from Dr. James Andrews in Birmingham. That was just a cool moment. That's another Bunny Night Raw um, memory that I have. And... Um, that's what this reminds me of, of Cody Rhodes going through a surgery, trying to get his torn pec healed, uh, and they're showing him week after week. It's an anticipation of someone that very well could be the next heavyweight champion. Who knows? Definitely over as a baby face, but could be the next champion. We will see. But I love that these vignettes, I think it's great. Um, my partners on GKW disagree. They think that's given away. It should have been a surprise popping up the rumble, but it's like, We've seen this before with Cena and Triple H, and it's like, if Cody returns, great. But you know what? It doesn't mean he's not going to get less of a pop. He's in Texas, uh, and, and the lineage of the roads in Texas uh, is vast and memorable, so I think that it'll be fine. So uh, Rhea Ripley, to me, has been over. I think that she's a future champion. She really makes that judgment day, give it, gives it a little pop, gives it a little personality, um, because it's a little dark. I like the Judgment Day. I don't love them. But with Rhea Ripley there, I think that that adds a little something, a little extra juice, which I really like. I think she's deserving of um, winning the Royal Rumble and going ahead and being the champion uh, at some point. Love to see her against Charlotte again. Uh, I remember them being the best match at WrestleMania not too long ago. So I love to see that happen. But if there's something else, that's great. But I think Cody and Rhea win the Royal Rumble. My friends, thanks so much for checking out the podcast, as always. Uh, there's more allegations on uh, Vince McMahon that we'll get a chance to cover uh, on Good Karma Wrestling that came out on Wednesday, January 25th, that we'll talk about. But don't forget, Good Karma Wrestling, make sure that you download the podcast. Make sure that you uh, get a chance to listen to the podcast and follow us at GKW underscore wrestling. And of course, Good Karma Wrestling on Instagram. I'm Jay Hood. I hope that you're going to have a great week. Royal Rumble is going to be this Saturday uh, in San Antonio. It should be a lot of fun. And we'll be covering it right here on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jay Hood. Thanks so much for listening.